You're listening to Youth Ministry Maverick, a podcast about mold-breaking methods to invest in the next generation of the church. Here's your host, Jeff Harding. Hello, everyone. This is Jeff. Welcome back to Youth Ministry Maverick. You're listening to episode 29, An Abundance of Counselors. That title is taken from Proverbs 11.14, which says, Where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. And we need people in our lives to give us counsel, to provide safety and encouragement for our spiritual walk, uh, for our growth uh, in faith, and uh, just learning what it means to be more and more transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. So for this episode, we'll be talking about the importance of finding other believers to mentor and disciple you. And my guest today, Courtney Lohman, will be talking about that with me. Courtney is the host of the Journey of Ruth podcast. She is a Bible teacher. She has a husband who has a fantastic first name, And we have a great discussion about how to go about finding a mentor, why you need to make time for it, and why it helps the church overall and not just us individually. So let's go ahead and hop into that conversation. Courtney, thank you so much for hopping on the podcast with me today. Uh, If you could give us a little intro of who you are and what you're up to right now. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me today. I'm excited to discuss the topics that we're going to talk about. Um, I'm married to Jeff Lohman, and we have two boys that are three and six, so it's a very busy household. We also have two male bird dogs, so I'm very outnumbered in my house. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, but it's okay. I like all the fishing and the hunting and the sports, so uh, we just do that all together. But I, um, I'm a music teacher. I teach private piano and voice and have done that for many years. Um, this year, we added homeschooling to the docket. That's quite an addition. Uh, yeah, it, it really is. <laughs> we'll see if we keep going uh, past this year. But, um, and it's just, it's first grade. So okay. it's not, I'm not teaching physics or anything like that. Are you smarter than a first grader, Courtney? Um, so far. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens towards the end of the school year, but yeah. it's going well. And then um, I really have a passion for discipleship and teaching the Bible. So I get to do that through um, Bible studies at church, um, my podcast, the Journey Ruth podcast. And then when I have the opportunity, um, I get to speak to groups about discipleship and the faithfulness of God. Um, really kind of any opportunity to help women kind of see um, the Bible in a new way. I get really excited about that. Very cool. As I mentioned in the intro, uh, we'll be talking about the importance of finding other believers to mentor and disciple you uh, and how to go about doing it if you're not sure where to start. Uh, I think all too often Christians approach their spiritual growth as an adult going back to take an assortment of community college classes, uh, which is great and can be beneficial. But what I'm saying is that just sitting in Bible study after Bible study without someone constantly giving you pointed insight about things in your life and able to 
interject scripture, God's character, and how you're growing based on regular conversation uh, isn't the best way to approach a maturing faith. Uh, So Courtney, when did you realize this need in your own life and what led to you wanting to tell others about fulfilling this need in theirs? Yeah. You know, it's funny because I was raised as a pastor's kid. And so we spent a lot of time (laughs) in the church, uh, Bible studies. I got the great opportunity to um, even teach uh, like in high school and stuff. Um, But when I went to college, that's when you really get to kind of find out what your faith is going to look like on your own, right? Mm -hmm. And like many kids, I, I didn't walk away from the church at all, but... I was just kind of not, I would say I was being lazy about my faith. You know, I wasn't spending time with the Lord. Um, I would go to church on Sunday morning, but I was doing exactly what you're talking about. Just kind of sitting, learning just a little bit of, of whatever the pastor was talking about on Sunday morning and not really pursuing that uh, beyond Sunday. It was about my junior year in college when I knew that something was a little bit off. Um, and I wasn't sure what it was. And what God showed me one day was that it was kind of like I had a platter of food (laughs) and on that was all of the things that I had learned as a kid in school, I'm sorry, in church, Mm -hmm. all of the stories that we walk away from Sunday school with all of the um, moral morality lessons you walk away from, you know, your time in youth group with. And I had, used that food to get through basically the last two years of my life. And I had just been feasting off the leftovers of what someone else had taught me without trying to refill the plate with new food. And so God was like, you're out of leftovers. All that's left is crumbs. So what you're feeling right now is emptiness. And if you want to fill that plate up again, you're going to have to do it yourself. No one is going to do it for you. And that's really, I think, the point where my faith became my own and I decided I needed to do something about it. Uh, that time in the Lord, it was my responsibility to make it a priority in my life. No one else w- could give that to me. When I graduated college, I went on to go and teach high school choir, which was super fun. I love high schoolers. <laughs> I always say that there's a reason why I got a secondary degree and not a primary degree because um, kindergartners and first graders, they cry, (laughs) right? Like high schoolers, you can be like, that is enough. Shut up, sit down. (laughs) Or I'm sending you this. And they go, yes, Um, (laughs) ma'am. You know, or you can use sarcasm and they get it. Yeah. Uh, So I loved teaching high schoolers. But what was interesting was that I had these girls in my classes and especially being a choir teacher, they would, they were with me in after school activities all the time, right? We even traveled together because we would go on trips. And one of them came into my office one day and she said, you know, I think of you almost like a mom. And I was like, whoa, whoa, like I'm not married. I don't have kids. (laughs) Let's not, let's not throw around that mom word, right? But what I realize now is that was basically the ultimate form of respect. I mean, she was saying that to her, I was a person that she looked at as someone to emulate. 
And it became really obvious right then and there that God had given me these areas of influence um, that I needed to be careful with. There were people watching me um, and I had opportunities to speak into these young girls' lives. Some of those relationships continued beyond when I stopped teaching uh, high school online, like Facebook and Instagram and stuff. And then these high schoolers became wives and then they became young moms. And I could see, I could see that they were needing someone to talk to, that they were not in the same place as all their other friends who were still kind of like in college or out partying. They're at home with their six month old. And I can see the loneliness. I could see that they didn't know who to ask when their six month old stopped sleeping. And did they know that there's a six month sleep regression? I know it's such a mom thing to talk about, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, those types of things. And about the same time I was in a Bible study called Open Your Bible. And they talked about this picture of a tree and the fact that in the spiritual life, it's like when you climb a tree, when you're five, you might climb on the very bottom level, the very bottom branch. And then you get a little braver as you get older and you get higher and higher in the tree. But in the spiritual life, you look around and what you realize is you're not the only one in the tree. You're not the only one climbing. There's people that are above you that have reached those higher branches that you're wanting to get to. And so if you will look up and ask them for help, they can kind of grab your hand and kind of help lift you up in your spiritual life. But it's also our responsibility to reach down to those people that are on those lower branches and kind of help them up as well. And it's such a beautiful picture of mentorship. And at the same time when I'm watching these girls on Facebook, I'm reading this beautiful analogy going and God saying, this is it. This is what you need to be doing. This is what we all need to be doing. Yeah. And that's, that's what set the fire <laughs> were those two things. And I, I haven't stopped since then talking about the discipleship, the importance of it, and that we all need it and need to be doing it. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. We, uh, at our church, we use a tree, the image of a tree mm -hmm. um, for our vision about growing wider, but also at the same time growing deeper. And I think typically as Christians, we like to do one or, or the other. Yeah. Um, and in that analogy that you gave, I think, uh, I think some people are geared more toward, yes, I prefer people to, uh, train me or mentor me, but I have a hard time, um, doing that for others. Yeah. Uh, and then you have other people who are like, I love mentoring and discipling and giving advice and guidance to younger people, but I don't really want to, or I don't see a need to have someone do that for me. Yeah. A uh, mutual friend of ours, John Mark, he gave me a different analogy uh, when I was in high school, which uh, that kind of started my journey toward uh, being in ministry. And it was a, a pitcher. So stop being a sponge and become a pitcher because, you know, at the ripe old age of 16, I thought that I knew everything that there was to know about the Christian life, you know. Oh, yeah. And um, so I said, uh, you know, now what do I do to keep growing? And he's like, you need to take what you know and teach it to others. You need to pour into others. Mm -hmm. um, and so I've thought about that as well. But at the same time, I need to have my pitcher constantly 
refilled. And of course, the main source of that is the living water, is the Holy Spirit, is what Christ has done for us. But I need people practically uh, to be able to guide me to make sure that I know that I'm valued, that I'm on the right track, that I have rest, that I have margin, um, that I'm still learning, um, that I'm not beyond being humble when it comes to knowledge about scripture or the Christian life or practicing it. Um, And that's a hard one, right? Humility. Very hard. (laughs) Very hard. Yeah. Uh, Especially, yeah, the, the older you get, the more you tend to take people's recognition of you and say, yeah, well, you know, I'm I am pretty far along in the Christian life. I must know a lot of things. And the more you build up that pride, the more resistant you are to letting someone else speak into you to be able to encourage you as someone who actually has experience or knowledge that you don't. Yeah. Uh, I think going to seminary for me was a very eye-opening experience in that light because I left seminary with 10,000 more questions than I had going in. (laughs) Um, and just the concept that I've mentioned a, a few times on this podcast about uh, intellectual humility of, you know, when you become more educated or you just learn more, wherever it is, formally or not formally, uh, the, the base of knowledge that grows or that should grow and you should be very aware of is everything that you don't know and will never know, right? Um, and that's really what you should experience as a mature person, but certainly as a mature follower of Jesus. And yeah. so to be able to say, Hey, you know, I've been walking with Jesus for 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, but you know, I read the scripture with someone who became a believer five weeks ago and I saw something that I hadn't really drawn out before that they resonated with. It's like, Oh, you know, that's why we have a living and active word. And so, Um, Yeah, that element of humility or just stepping outside of our comfort zone is something that I think a lot of Christians need to hear, regardless of their age, their uh, the longevity of their walk with Jesus. uh, We need to be remain. We need to remain humble and teachable always. Always, in fact, um, there's a really bad analogy, um, and so of course I'm going to say it. In mentoring, they say, um, you know, the three, you need to be a very fat Christian. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We, we actually have one of those for our mission measures at our church, too. <laughs> Basically, we, yeah. <laughs> available and teachable, right? But who wants to be fat? I don't know. We, yeah. if men's ministry, we put an E on the end and said eager, right? So, <laughs> okay. Well, teachable, teachable and eager, um, fate. Uh, but... <laughs> Uh, I think that when you're, I love the pitcher analogy, by the way, that, that John Mark gave you. And there's another analogy that I've heard having to do with the Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Mm. I don't know if you've heard this one, but it has to do the same thing with pour, water pouring in and water pouring out. So the Sea of Galilee, they're both on the Jordan River, but water flows into the Sea of Galilee and then it flows out. And the Sea of Galilee is teeming with fish and life. And I mean, so much of even when we, if we go back to Bible times, like biblical um, business happened on the Sea of Galilee, right? They were fishermen. And, and then the Jordan River continues and it flows into the Dead Sea, mm-hmm. but no water ever flows out of the Dead Sea. And it's dead. 
So if you think about that, if you're constantly getting in, in you're, you're always having, you know, people pour into you, but you're never pouring out. You don't experience the full life of what it means to be a Christian. You miss a huge like part of what we see Jesus do in the Bible with his disciples. Mm -hmm. And so I know that it's scary. I know that it's hard. Um, well, actually, I don't think it's as hard as you think it's going to be, <laughs> to be honest. But I know that it's scary to both step into the role of mentoring someone because you're not sure that you know enough. And the truth is you do. You, you know, because exactly what you know is probably what those people need to hear. Mm -hmm. um, 2 Peter says that we are prepared already for mm -hmm. what God has, has, is going to call us to. Um, the other thing that's really scary is asking someone to mentor you. Because there's always this sense of rejection. Like, what if they say no? What if they say no? Yeah, but what if they say yes? Yeah. Right? Yeah. You may, I mean, I'm a musician. We as musicians, we we audition for a lot of roles and we get told no, probably more than we get told yes. So you just get used to hearing the word no. And when you hear a yes, you're like, really? Did, did you really mean yes? <laughs> you know, but that you don't usually have to ask that many people when mm -hmm. it's to asking for a mentor. Um, but we'll talk about that. Yes, absolutely. Uh, so faithful, available, teachable, and eager, if you want to add the E on the end. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Um, so uh, growing up, um, along with John Mark, I was graced with having a multitude of youth leaders, college leaders, interns, and others invest in me over the years. Uh, fortunately, it was never too much of an effort to find those who are willing to invest in me personally. Uh, however, that's hardly the case for many Christians, and they need to learn some ways to find those who would invest in them. Uh, and this certainly includes youth workers, as they need others to help them uh, in the way that they help their students. Um, the youth pastor or youth minister um, should and can supply some of that, um, but especially if the youth worker and the youth pastor uh, are different genders, uh, the age difference is very extreme. Uh, you know, that, that can be, um, a little difficult. And then, you know, there's time management, there's, you know, which, what's your schedule like? Mm -hmm. Um, and so Courtney, how can adults go about finding people to mentor and disciple them? Because for kids and, and teenagers, they usually have at church anyway, um, a bunch of leaders and volunteers and everything. And so it's kind of easier for them. In fact, the programs are set up that way. And adults usually have, you know, a Bible study teacher, right? Or a pastor. And so how can adults go about finding people that they know um, to mentor and disciple them? Yeah. You know, I understand that it's hard. And sometimes when we think about, oh my gosh, I'm going to go and ask this person to mentor me, you know, it doesn't have to be like a round of speed dating, right? Will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? Will you mentor me? Yeah. It, like it doesn't have to be that um, pointed or that scary. I, I think we understand that mentoring can take place in two ways. Um, you can be mentored by authors and podcasters and pastors that you listen to on a regular basis. And I think that's important to make sure that you're hearing that from other voices, right? Because maybe some of those people you will never meet, you know? I mean, someone mentioned in uh, one of my latest interviews, they mentioned that one of their mentors is a guy who's dead. 
you know, but through reading his books, he has mentored him. But it's important to have someone that really knows you. And that can only happen through like an actual, like one-on-one relationship, right? Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's important to have someone who understands you is because they are going to know how you tick. They're going to know when you sit down with them or when you call them and they say, hey, how are things going? And you say, I'm fine. They're gonna, just by the sound of your voice, if you're really fine or if you're totally pulling their leg and just trying uh-huh. to stuff everything down because they know you that well. And we see that in the Bible. We see that in David and Jonathan. And we see that in Ruth and Naomi and Eli and Samuel. And in all of these situations, one of the people involved is able to help the other person understand the voice of God because they understand that. I mean, I think about Eli and Samuel, right? God's calling. And, and Eli says, no, that's God, right? You need to go. And, and next time that, that he calls, you need to talk to him, right? When, when Ruth and Naomi are together and Ruth has met Boaz, Naomi says, no, this is what you need to do in order to go and pursue him. Right. And so the first thing you're going to have to do is you have to make it a priority. Because if you just want it to happen, it's not going to happen. Yeah. So you have to know that this is what you want. And it kind of starts there. And then I actually created, um, because I've tried to teach this before and it got too wordy. And I was like, I need a more simplified way of helping people know how to find a disciple. And so I created the play process. And it's a four-letter acronym, P-L-A-A. And it stands for pray look, ask, and act. So the first step after you know, okay, this is what I want to do and you're going to prioritize it. um, You're going to pray and you're going to take the time and really pray that God would put you in situations or put you in the lives of people that would be willing to mentor you. Because the truth is that you probably already know someone who can mentor you. There's probably, if you looked around and you looked at the places where you go, whether it's work or church or a Bible study or um, some kind of community group that you're in, there's probably someone that can already mentor you. So you're going to pray that God would give you his eyes for that. You're also going to look at scripture like um, David and Jonathan or Ruth and Naomi and see what, what does a mentor look like? Right. So then when you're looking at this, those people, you can really like you can really look for that type of person. Um, Then you're going to look, you're going to actually write down some names of people that are around you that you think might be um, a great mentor for you. All at the same time, you're still praying. (laughs) Right. You're also asking God to kind of um, maybe expose some of the areas where you'd like to have a mentor. So you may be wanting a mentor just for spiritual reasons, right? Someone that's going to hold you accountable to read scripture, mm-hmm. but maybe you want a mentor that's specifically going to help you be a better husband or a better wife. That's a particular type of person you're looking for. Um, so you're going to look next thing you're going to do is you're going to ask, don't ask them to be your mentor. That is not step number one. for some people they might run you're just gonna ask them the coffee that's it (laughs) and uh at that point in time 
that's where when you're sitting down, you ask them to coffee and then you ask questions, ask them about themselves, ask them the questions you don't know about them, ask them about their marriage, ask how they became a Christian and what's their story. It's going to become pretty obvious as you're having this coffee, if this is a person that you want to mentor you or not. And now that you're sitting in that social situation, just the two of you one-on-one, now you're going to act. And that's where you are going to say, hey, I have been really asking God for someone to mentor me. And I really look up to you. I really respect these things in your life. And I'm looking to grow in these areas. Is there any way you would consider meeting with me on a regular basis to, um, to so, so that I can kind of ask you questions and maybe we can read scripture together. Maybe we can um, pray together. Is that, is that something you might consider? And, and, and then I, I do say at the end, I say, what I encourage people to do is if the answer is no, don't stop. Like, well, what if they say no? Well, then you go back to the beginning, right? And in the look step, hopefully you've made a list of a couple names. So if that person wasn't right, well, then maybe the next person is. And sometimes we're surprised at who it is that God has for us to either to mentor or to be mentored by. And we they might not have been our first choice, but they are the right choice. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. That's very. Uh, I love the the pattern. Um, it's not aggressive. It's uh, it's friendly, and you know, I think it highlights the importance of, you know, um, you know, when when we think of uh, critiques of the church, and maybe as adults, like, oh, the reason that I can't grow spiritually, or the reason that, you know, maybe I'm not part of a church is because this and this, and you know, when we talk about it in that light. Uh, the word individual or the term individualism uh, gets cast in a negative light, which it can be. It can dominate. It can say everything's all about me. But each of us individually, also as followers of Jesus, uh, are called to make disciples. And that doesn't mean that you have to have a degree or a title or a congregation, right? And so what it means is, hey, you know, the disciples, you know, had, had jobs, they were fishermen, you know, uh, yeah. tent makers, you know, and so, um, in your everyday life in the marketplace, um, you know, at home, uh, wherever you are, um, to find people who you respect and who you have a relationship with, hopefully, uh, at some level. And just like you said, you know, you, you kind of work your way up to it, but, uh, if they say no, it wasn't a loss at all because you got to sit down, you get to talk with someone and you get to hear their story, yeah. hear their perspective. And even if they say, you know, uh, that sounds great, but I'm not sure I could dedicate the time to it uh, in, in six months uh, after this project at work is done or after our kid is in school, you know, why, why don't you come and uh, talk to me again? You know, but uh, you've already kind of gained some experience and uh if you do it again, uh, then you may, maybe you know better questions to ask. Maybe you know, you know, I thought I needed this, but now after talking to this person and hearing their story, maybe what I'm actually needing in my spiritual life is this element that I kind of 
minimized, but I really need this. And so having a conversation is never a loss. It's always a growing experience, even if you view that, or it in fact is a negative experience, it's still an experience that you can use to build uh, your own perspective, thought process, and really just uh, the direction that God is taking you in. Yeah. Well, and you know, it's, it's discipleship and mentoring can be so they don't have to be high spiritual things. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I was encouraged by Titus two, where it talks and it's talking about women. And I know some people that are like, well, that does not apply to men. I'm like, okay, cool. So I guess if you're a guy, don't listen to this, but (laughs) (laughs) just kidding. Um, So, but women, you know, it says teach the older women to be, I'm sorry, the older women need to teach the younger women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled and pure, to be busy at home, to be kind, to be subject to their husbands so that no one will malign the word of God. In my opinion, all of those things are just everyday things, right? How can I be a better mom? How can I be um, more controlled in the way that I, I run my home? I work, you know, five days a week and my house still has to get clean and my family still needs to eat. And yes, my husband helps, but how can I control my life a little bit more? Well, maybe someone who's done that before, who was a career woman and had kids and had a family can help me to know what did she do that was successful. That's mentorship right there. Now, I think that there's a line between discipleship and mentorship, and I don't know that this is the right line, but it's kind of how I separate them in my mind. But that mentorship is exactly what I talked about. And discipleship is when um, scripture and God enter the picture, right? So, okay, so we are having a controlled home we are uh, prioritizing our marriage why and then we see the end of titus 2 so that no one will malign the word of god right how are we doing that we're going to scripture we're praying together we're um maybe taking some time and saying hey what are you studying in scripture this week right not just how's your marriage going how's everything going and leaving it at that giving my advice but instead saying Hey, we need to be in scripture this week. I want to know what you learned next time we meet, you know, and, and okay, how can I be praying for you? Those types of things. I think that's the difference between mentorship and discipleship, though. I often use the words at the same time um, because discipleship is a scary word mm-hmm. for people. I, I don't know why, <laughs> but it's a very scary, very serious word, but everyone understands mentorship. Yeah. Right. And so in my opinion, it's the same thing. It's just discipleship. You're going to, you're going to make sure that God is a part of that conversation, not just the two of you. So I think that it can be so simple, but a lot of times people don't mentor because they feel, they, they don't feel prepared. They feel Mm -hmm. ill-equipped. Really, I think when we look at the biblical definition of what mentorship is and discipleship. And we see the men that Jesus chose as his disciples to disciple others. What we see is that God wants you to disciple now exactly as you are. Um, and there really isn't an excuse. The other thing that I do like to say is if you are mentoring someone or if you're thinking about mentoring someone, but you're scared that you don't 
know anything, right? Or that you don't know enough, uh, that you don't know the right answers. The truth is that's okay. The first time that I mentored someone, I was so scared that I wouldn't know enough. And then the first time she answered a question or she asked a question that I didn't know, I was like, <gasps> well, the answer to that question was, I don't know. Yeah. Good question. Why don't you look that up this week? I'm going to look it up too. And let's see what we come to next week. Mm -hmm. And guess what? We both grew because of that question. Yeah. We both learned something new. And that, so I think mentoring also, it is not like a teacher student relationship that we want to think of. It is a side by side relationship yep. where you are both growing. You are both walking towards Christ. One may be a step ahead, but that doesn't mean that you still have stuff to, that you don't still have stuff to learn. And you mentioned that earlier. I mean, you cannot think I already know everything. No, guess what? You're going to learn as much from the person that you're discipling as they are from you. That's right. You're moving together That's into right. the remarkable love of Jesus Christ, which is our mission statement here at the church. <laughs> so I got to make a little plug for that. But yeah, no, that that's the exact image. It's, hey, no matter where you are, season of life, base of knowledge, feeling prepared or, or not prepared, we're all on the same path, right? Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we're on the same path and our journeys are distinct and look different, but we're all heading toward the same thing. And we're looking forward to the second advent to Christ returning. He is our hope. And until then, we are growing. We are being transformed more and more into his likeness. Uh, and if any uh, one is having issues with Titus 2, you can look at Ephesians 5 and realize that the submission to one another should be mutual. And that's why uh, that side-by-side -side comparison is great. Because just like you said, like, uh, you know, um, I explained on another episode that Sometimes some of the greatest lessons that I get uh, are from when I'm preparing for a lesson or to teach. And then I'm like, oh, man, I haven't thought about that in a long time. And then when a student asks a question, I am learning something as I'm teaching something to teenagers. And so, uh, yes, that um, openness, um, as, I, as I like to tell my students, taking off the blinders, right? Stop being so focused on one thing. And, um, you know, you had talked about someone not wanting to mentor or disciple because they don't feel prepared. And also they know that they'll wear that as a burden. They'll wear as a weight and say, oh man, if they don't, uh, if I give them bad advice or if I give them an interpretation on this passage that isn't great and something happens, you know, that's on me, right? And uh, if we just kind of take our blinders off and see um, kind of where God's at work in our periphery that we usually don't notice, um, there's a lot of things that can humble us and that we can learn from and take a deep breath and say, I'm just doing what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm being faithful to the great commission. And it's not me on a street corner with a speaker and some tracks, yeah. right? It's not me in a foreign country. It's not me from a pulpit. It's me placed where God has me for a purpose. And this person is asking me to disciple them, to mentor them, to invest in them. And this is someone um, you know, if they're younger, that's going to be in a spot that I'm in, in X amount of years. And so I want them to be able to have the, uh, experience to, um, keep asking and keep learning. So yeah, you know, I don't feel like I know much, but Hey, you know, I can learn along with you. And what I do have, if I'm older is more life experience and some more analogies and examples to draw from that you don't have yet. And so that in itself, as I mentioned earlier, if you're asking someone, they say, oh, I'm not sure I can do it. 
that's still a learning experience. You still had a good conversation, and that's something that God can use um, to help you in your journey. Yeah, um, absolutely. And I think something that um, if anyone's listening uh, and thinking, you know, everything that you're saying is great, but I really just don't have the time. Time, our greatest resource, can also prove to be our greatest hindrance in benefiting from this necessary element in our lives. Uh, it's been mentioned several times over the last few months um, in online conversations that I've seen, uh, but the shutdown of our normal way of life, you know, with quarantine and everything else, has actually made life more hectic for many, especially parents, teachers, and those in any sort of ministry. Um, sadly, the Barna Research Group, uh, along with a few other polling and research organizations, have stated that as many as one out of every four pastors could leave ministry in the next 12 to 18 months. And the reasons are um, the dual-sided stress from a polarized and politically charged congregation. Uh, you, you need to wear, you need to have people wear masks more. You need to have people not wear masks. Uh, maneuvering around all the COVID um, uh, guidelines uh, and still trying to provide meaningful ministry. Um, And so, Courtney, what do you think are some ways we can work in this healthy approach to growing in our faith, mentoring and discipling others, while acknowledging the crucial elements of life that that need to be addressed, including the need for rest to avoid being completely overwhelmed? Yeah. Man, that is, I mean, I hadn't heard all of those statistics or um, those studies, but I, I see it's true. You know, we were all kind of thinking we'd have this time of rest, mm-hmm. and, and it very quickly became obvious that for those doing ministry and for those in a public, you know, place, it was actually more work, mm-hmm. right? I think it is very important to first understand the importance of Sabbath and Sabbath rest. It doesn't matter if you hold a ministry position or not. There is a reason why God rested. It wasn't because he needed to. It's because he wanted to give us an example to follow. And so when we think about how do we make sure that, you know, we are healthy in our ministry, Sabbath is, is it, um, well, it's part of it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but I think that that rest can prepare us for what's whatever God has in store for the next week and whatever Satan might, might bring the next week, to be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, There's some great books out there on Sabbath, um, and renewal. Um, and of course, you know, Maybe the people listening to this that are, you know, leaders in their own church, they don't need another book to read. (laughs) They're thinking, I already have a stack about, you know, five feet tall on my bedside table. (laughs) Right. But there are great books on that. And um, a lot of them were written right before quarantine or during quarantine, which is very interesting to me that so many authors would have been inspired at the same time to write um, about Sabbath. And so I think that's showing a big need in our world, uh, both in the church and outside of the church is the need for rest. 
I think personally that mentors in ministry is not a want, it's a necessity. Yes. Because it's too easy in ministry to become um, like, so well to put your blinders on and to be doing what you think is right or to be doing what you've always done. And if you don't have any voices coming at you to, I don't want to say, like, say you're doing it wrong, but to challenge you to think differently than you are, to think outside of the box. I think it can be very easy to um, get really far down the road and realize you're not doing things right. I mean, there's a reason why God sent Jethro to Moses, because Jethro had to say, whoa, stop. Yeah. You're doing too much, Moses. And if you keep doing this, you're going to kill yourself. Like, there are plenty of people out here that can help you. Let them help you. And so we got, you know, a judicial system, I guess, for Israel, you know, uh, because he couldn't do it on his own. But he needed another voice to say, you don't have to do that all by yourself. Did you know that? Like, yeah, because you're asking for help. I think also um, accountability is such a big thing. And we as ministry leaders are not above sin. In fact, Satan's going to throw as much towards us as he can. And we know that there are stories of, of ministry leaders who have found themselves in sin. And when we have mentors or people around us that we trust and we are honest with them, like brutally honest, when you have a day where you just want to quit, when you can call someone and say, I want to quit, and they don't go, ah, our youth pastor wants to quit, ah, our music minister, and they freak out about it. Instead, they say, okay, you free for lunch, <laughs> you yeah. know, and you go and have lunch and they they don't give you an answer. They don't say, this is what you need. This is what you need. They say, talk, tell me what's going on. And they know you well enough. If you don't have that person, man, ministry can feel so lonely. Mm -hmm. Don't and, and it can be hard, especially for the head pastor. I know this because my dad has talked about this before. I've never been the head pastor, but my dad has about how lonely it can feel, you know, and um, there was a time in, in their church where my parents felt like they needed a little help with their marriage. And so they went to marriage counseling and there were some people that were really upset about that. Yeah. I believe you would go to marriage counseling. And he was like, well, would you rather have a pastor who acted like everything was fine. And then all of a sudden to your surprise, his marriage fell apart. Or would you have a pastor who was honest about the fact that him and his wife wanted to have the best marriage possible. And so they were asking for help to do so. That, that person was like, I don't know. Okay. Okay. You know, <laughs> but in all honesty, my dad understood that by having those, um, men and women around him and, and men and women, right? He was a male pastor. So to have, um, and, and it wasn't an, a one-on-one -on -one relationship with that woman, but in his administrative board, he had a woman so that they had that, that female perspective in the church. 
right? Um, but to have those voices to help him to make decisions and um, to bounce ideas off of and to be honest with. And um, to be really honest with what's going on in my life right now. Um, so my mom just, my mom passed away about, mm, gosh, two months ago, three months ago. And time is, I don't even know. <laughs> uh, it's been two months. There we go. And she uh, passed away after an 18 month battle with brain cancer. Mm-hmm. It is the people that were the mentors in my life that helped me remain strong during that. Mm. And it was those men that my dad put around himself, even at the beginning of his ministry, that he could call and be really honest about the emotions that he was going through as he walked with my mom through this. And even now, as he has lost his wife and is now stepping into what life looks like, he is going to those mentors saying, I I'm doing well in this area, but I'm not sure I know how to pursue A, B, and C. So in my opinion, mentorship is something you have to make time for. Like it is a necessity. And no, it doesn't have to look like a weekly Bible study that you sit down for two hours and study. Like if you have that time, great, do it. You know, I had a girlfriend and we would get together and and we would meet once a week for five hours. Whoa. Well, let me talk about why. We had six kids between the two of us. No, five kids between the two of us. So it took us five hours to do about one hour of Bible study. <laughs> right? Yeah. But the the side-by-side mentorship that happened during that time and then just the study that we did together, they really helped me grow. Right? And our kids loved playing together, so they didn't mind that we were at each other's house for five hours. Right? That's um, awesome. But they became like siblings and probably fought more than (laughs) anything. That worked for us. Um, But we don't do that anymore. She moved and we don't have the time to to do that anymore. So now what do we do? Phone calls. Usually only once a month, but we check in. We're praying for each other. We're encouraging each other. So that mentorship relationship, which, by the way, is a side-by-side mentorship, we uh, it's changed. And we've allowed it to change. So I think if you don't have time to sit down with someone, fine. Can you ask them to have a phone call once a month or once every other week? Um, the, the trick is that becomes now your responsibility to make sure that you're honest about what you need, about what you need to do, uh, what you're expecting of them. And that's always great to set up when you start meeting with someone. What are their expectations of you and what are your expectations of them? Because if not, the mentorship relationships usually fail. Because they were expecting to do a Bible study that was like written and you were expecting them to like write a Bible study for them, <laughs> for you. I don't, I don't know. Those things happen. But, um, you know, and you have to make sure that you're prioritizing your time with the Lord. And I hope I don't like, I know I probably don't need to stress that to leaders, but then again, it's just a good reminder, like. Hey, are you letting your ministry get in the way of your own personal time with the Lord? When was the mm-hmm. last you sat down and read the Bible for fun? I know when I'm preparing for a weekly Bible study and there's like, you know, I'm teaching something like a Beth Moore study or whatever. There's a lot of homework I got to prepare too to make sure that I'm ready to teach. Do you, and so I take my summers and I just read the Bible for fun. Like, let's see what God has to say and what I've been missing this whole time because I've been focused on something else. Um 
But if you're sacrificing your time with the Lord to have a mentor, uh, don't because include that in your mentorship time. All right. The two of you should be reading the Bible and praying together. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. This, the, um, you know, if, if we don't think it's important, it's, it's, uh, ironic because, uh, and even hypocritical because, you know, if we are, um, youth workers, youth leaders, um, anyone who's investing in anyone else. Right. And we would say, oh, well, of course they need leaders in the children's ministry and in the youth ministry. You know, they, like they, they need that. It's vital. It's important. Mm-hmm. But does it mysteriously stop being important when they reach a certain age? Like we right. constantly need people because we constantly mess up. Right. Jesus would tell people, you know, go and sin no more knowing that they would sin probably 10 minutes later. Uh, he told Peter, you are the rock upon which I will build my church. And the very next passage, he says, get behind me, Satan to the same person. Right. So, uh, we need um, accountability, certainly, but also um, just the ability to talk about life with kids, to be able to say, oh my gosh, I've been carrying this around and haven't told anyone about it. And, blah, and yeah. uh, able to share, you know, especially people in ministry, you are right. Um, uh, some of the comments that I've seen from people who have said, I'm just done with ministry is I had so much to carry with me, right? I, mm. I had no one to share it with because they would say, oh, well, the pastor is supposed to be above this and be Superman or Superwoman. Like, no, we're, we're people who we feel that God has given us a, a calling and it happens to be in the church and we're doing that. But we are not better. We're not above. Um, we're not more than, um, it's just that, you know, we're in this position and yes, we have responsibility. Yes. You know, we have standards that are a little different, but we need just as much help as anyone else. And we are on the same level of need as anyone that we might be ministering to or talking to working with seeing every day. Um, and when it's, you are meeting a mentor, they will understand that you're not just, you're not, it's not just lip surface, right? Like, Hey guys, when I tell you that you need to find someone to mentor you, I'm telling you that because I have someone that mentors me, right? Like I have someone that is pouring into my life. And when I do want to say that, that I hope that, um, it becomes a regular practice in the very near future for churches to encourage one-on-one mentorship and discipleship within their congregations and um, one-on-one mentorship and discipleship in um, their college and youth ministries. Because there, especially when you are in like college and when you're in youth ministry, there are a lot of things that come up, whether it's biblical topics or like life topics that you might not feel comfortable talking to your parents about. And so you need that one other person that you can trust to talk to, or maybe your parents gave you their opinion and you want another opinion, right? Mm -hmm. If you don't have anyone to go talk to, what I find is that my students go to the like Google or heaven forbid Facebook for an answer. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, 
No. Why would you just like let Facebook decide what you're going to do for that? Like, the, no, the better place to go is to that person that you trust that can actually give you an honest answer, knows you well enough to answer honestly. But then I realize, wait a minute, do you have that person? Is that someone that you have? And I honestly think that, uh, no, that the, the problem is that a lot of people don't have that person where if they had that in their, maybe their youth group, right? They had um, an older person from their church that was mentoring them during youth, uh, during their time in high school. When they go to college, they know who to call back and ask, you know, like, hey, things aren't going so well with my roommate. Can you, what, what do I do, right? Like I just uh, stepped into this college class and the professor started talking about all this stuff that I do not agree with. What do I do, right? Yeah. And that other person that they can talk to, right? If it doesn't come until college, great. Now they're going into their professional lives. They're getting married, they're having children. Where do I go when I need to ask questions about I something I think kind of not great happened in my workplace and I don't know how to go about it? Do I go Google it or do I have a person I can go and talk to? That's why I think mentorship across the whole church is so important because everyone needs that sounding board, you know, whether you're a, a freshman in high school or a 60-year-old pastor. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, just that um, ability to know that you have someone who you can be brutally honest with, as you mentioned. Yeah. And, uh, being able to uh, build into them and someone that you're mentoring can easily encourage you as well. Yeah. And, um, yeah. It, it's such a need. And, uh, you know, we are better together and uh, it can be easy when you're by yourself to become cynical and panicked. And, you know, you mentioned your, your parents earlier with marriage counseling and, you know, it, the church is getting better at eradicating the stigma with mental health, but yeah. still far too many people view counseling believers or non-believers as weakness as, ah, you couldn't do it by yourself. So you need a counselor, huh? It's like, right. no, like, uh, uh, you know, if you are breathing, you could benefit from counseling. That's the only requirement. There are so many things going on in your life that you aren't aware of, things that have formed you as a child, experiences that you've had that you're carrying around with you subconsciously that you don't know, right? I don't want to play psych psychiatrist here, but um, there's just a lot. And yeah, it could still be some surface stuff. There's a lot more under the surface than you realize everybody. Right. There's a lot more under the surface, but still, if you just want to talk surface stuff, you will still realize that, oh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm hanging on to that bitterness. Oh, yeah, you know, I am being ignorant of this person's experience. And so uh, I need to be a better listener, right? There are a lot of things that we need just to talk about, especially as believers. There's so much that is getting in the way of what God has for us, what God wants for us. Mm. It's good for us to be reminded of that. And just about every single time, it's, good, it's going to involve being humbled because unfortunately, the way everything is set up and the way it runs is, especially because of our pride and our selfishness, we best learn in hardship and adversity and times of struggle. We, we have to work through something, yeah. right? Um, just like a, 
moth has to work through the pain and struggle of trying to get out of its cocoon because then it can actually be strong enough to live and survive, right? It's built yeah. into nature, it's built into all of creation, and it's certainly built into us. And yeah. you ask any medical doctor out there, uh, the effects that stress has on your body, like I think I've seen in lots of studies over the years, like stress just by itself can often be labeled uh, and, and put in the top three of causes of death or illness or whatever, because there are a lot of biological effects that stress has. And we need people to be able to hear what we have to say. We need to be able to encourage others who need someone to be able to talk to. Mm -hmm. And it's so beneficial in many reasons, not just for the spiritualized uh, overemphasis of discipleship. And that seems so, above my pay grade. I'm not sure if I can do it. There are a lot of practical applications to it. It's a lot easier and it's a lot more necessary than we all want to believe. Yeah. Um, well, Courtney, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, if you could uh, tell us where people can hear your podcasts, can uh, hear or read anything that you have online and maybe can connect with you uh, down the road. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mentioned the play process. Um, I actually have a worksheet that you can print out for free on my uh, website, uh, journeyofruthpodcast.com slash download. And if you'll uh, put that in, you can just uh, print out that worksheet and it actually takes you through those four steps, actually has a little area for you to answer questions, has some verses for you to read and pray over, consider, um, as well as some prayer prompts. But that is, like I said, on my website there, you can listen to all of the episodes of the podcast as well as on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Stitcher. Um, we're basically anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Um, I'm also online uh, on Facebook and Instagram at Journey of Ruth. And we post all the reminders of our new episodes or, um, you know, quotes from our guests, that type of stuff on those. So, yeah. Very cool. <laughs> for having me. This has been a lot of fun to kind of discuss and, and uh, talk with you. So thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. I will put the link to your website uh, in the show notes. Uh, and so people can have that. And yeah, thanks again. I'll be praying for you as you continue your ministry uh, of Journey of Ruth uh, and also uh, just finding people that you can mentor and keep finding people who can mentor you. I'll do the same. I have those as well. We need each other. And uh, this has been a very good, enlightening conversation and practical for everyone, including uh, me. So thank you again, Courtney. Thank you. That concludes today's episode. Thanks again to Courtney for hopping on with me. The website that she mentioned is in the show notes. So please head there, get that worksheet and find yourself someone to mentor you and disciple you if you don't have that already. Maybe you need several people as we talked about. And if students are asking you how they can find other people in their lives to help them, please use this resource for them as well. And I certainly encourage you to check out her podcast, The Journey of Ruth Podcast. If you haven't already, please like and subscribe to this podcast wherever you are streaming it. And you can check out a comprehensive list of our episodes, the bios of all of our guests, and networks to partner with for your own youth ministry at our website, youthministrymaverick.com. You can also find us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. 
Thanks again for listening. And until next time, adios. Adios.